Welcome to episode four of the Think Bigger series. In this episode, we take on the topic of hidden disabilities and are joined by the fantastic Ted Smith, HR consultant and author. Our conversation discusses the impact of hidden disabilities on a person's work, how businesses can create better culture, be more accommodating, and when should they engage the conversation with their workforce. In doing that, we touch upon how they can actually hire the best talent for their business. And also, we try to ensure that we recognise that everyone's disabilities and conditions are very personal. Hi, Philippa. Hi, Jacob. How you doing? Yeah, good, good. Looking forward to today's discussion. Yeah, me too, me too. I am super excited to have another guest on with us. Um, so we're with Ted Smith today. Ted's got a fantastic career in human resources and does some wonderful things. So, Ted, I'm not going to even try and introduce you. I will let you introduce yourself. Brilliant. Thanks, Jacob, and welcome, everyone. Uh, my role has been working in human resources right since I left college, did a science degree, and then worked um, mostly at Glaxo and then uh some of the biotech companies. So I've worked in the science field. In fact, I got to know Philippa the moment she joined SRG because uh, she was uh, our client representative helping us recruit uh, one of the best recruiters of all time that I've ever worked with. So it's a pleasure <laughs> to be called up by Philippa and asked to get involved in this. After um, stopping being a senior vice president was my last sort of biggest role in HR. I've taken up consulting and uh, I'm author of several books now. Fantastic. Well, it's an absolute pleasure to um, to have you with us. And um, you've not worked with me yet, so um, I'm much better than Philippa. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, no, she's awesome. She's awesome. Well, look, I, it's, it is great to have you with us. And um, I woke up this morning and I was really excited about the topic that we're going to be talking about. So um, hidden disabilities. And I think it's, you know, Ted, get your kind of insight to kick us off would be fantastic but for me this is what this podcast series is all about it's about having that conversation that maybe you know it's not not an easy conversation all the time and this one's going to be quite personal to me um definitely and um I think yeah we'll see where it takes us so um to kick, to kick us off Ted it would be great for you to kind of give us an introduction to hidden yeah. disabilities please sure. So uh, one of the things that I did first off in, uh, when I um, stopped being a, a, a senior director in, in human resources was to write a book which I always thought was needed. And that was Human Resources A to Z. And it's just a practical book of how to do stuff. And the reason being that when I was a student in HR, I was just fed up with the fact that everything was theoretical. I wrote that book and I included some chapters and paragraphs and things in it about autism, about ADHD, uh, about somebody who's blind from birth. And it was those chapters that led to lots of interest on social media about the book. And it led mm -hmm. to people saying things like, it's great that you've mentioned those, but what about my condition that I have? It's a hidden disability and people don't understand it. And it causes all sorts of difficulties at work. So what I'm doing at the moment is I'm researching that field. I've spoken to 60 people so far who each have their own type of hidden disability. In other words, one that you can't see when they walk towards you, uh, but one that affects them greatly. And they range from all sorts of different conditions and diseases th uh, through the whole spectrum. And mm -hmm. what I'm trying to do is be, again, very practical and just think about 
how did they get diagnosed? What are the, the issues um, in the workplace? How can companies make it easier for them uh, to uh, enjoy working alongside everybody else? What accommodations, in other words, need to be made? So that's, that's what I'm in the middle of at the moment. Amazing. I think you touched upon something there, enjoy working. And like, it's tough, like living with a hidden disability and they come, it comes in all shapes and sizes and it can't be seen. Absolutely. Now I can talk about this subject forever um, because there are probably, there's a, a few areas of my life that have been impacted on it. And, you know, I've got permission from my partner to talk. She's got a chronic pain condition that is a hidden disability and to talk about kind of our experience in in her working life and also personal life really as well um but philippa you know to loop you in now you know what i know it's something that you're really passionate about as well so it'd be interesting to kind of hear your view on it your take on it and how maybe it's impacted you or people you know yeah um i mean i think it's such an important topic to talk about because i think when we think about hidden disabilities you know if people can't see sort of evidence of an illness or a condition, then this leads to people being misunderstood um, and not being heard or, or listened to. And I think, you know, what that can create, that person can feel quite unhappy, can feel isolated, whether that be the workplace or their social life. So I think it's such an important topic to talk about, get it out into the open so we can create some really mm -hmm. open and inclusive dialogue so people can feel they've got a platform to talk about what's impacting them so I just think it's such an important topic and one that I'm still learning about you know and it's still a journey for me learning about all of the different aspects of hidden disabilities. Yeah so evidence is the key word for me there that just resonates with me because and, and Ted's I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on this piece. So my partner, she has a blue badge. She has a chronic pain condition, uh, fibromyalgia, along with a couple of other health complications. And it impacts her on a daily basis. Now, there are some days when she could walk down the road and look absolutely, I'm going to, you can't see me because we're on a podcast, but doing the fingers, normal. And there are other days when, you know, we're almost caring for her at home where she can't, can't get out of bed. And she held a job down. But, you know, I've got experiences where we pull up at like Tesco car park, for example, and she's having a really bad day. I'm not with her. She's got the children with her, um, especially through lockdown because I was working from home. Children were off school, so she had to take the children to the supermarket and she'd pull up in a disabled bay outside Tesco's and she's been confronted by people saying, you don't have a wheelchair or you don't have crutches and she's had to feel as though she needs to evidence her her disability and i'm sure there are examples when you've spoken to these 60 people ted that feel as though maybe why do you have to evidence it or how do you evidence something that is hidden yeah it, it it's it applies in so many different walks of life. Um, for example, if we were having this conversation 10 years ago, it would have been about the fact that the very first people were coming out and, uh, and openly talking about being um, gay, homosexual. Um, and mm. as a consequence of that, they were suddenly being able to be much more free and easy at work because they weren't having to hide that fact. Um, we haven't got there yet with hidden disabilities. And there are all sorts of people who are very judgmental. The Tesco car park is the most obvious one, but 
um, from talking to the people that I'm interviewing at the moment. Unfortunately, it's going on in the workplace as well. Uh, so it's not just Tesco's car park. Um, it is people saying, um, you know, why can't we just rush up the stairs? Why do we have to go and use the lift? Wanting to be told what the reason is, not accepting that somebody can just say, uh, no, I have a condition without having to always spell it out. So mm. one of the things that we're doing at the moment is we're looking at various ways in which we can encourage employers to be more open and have dialogue with people um, to listen intently to what um, occurs for them. So for example, you mentioned fibromyalgia. Um, I've talked to three different people with fibromyalgia and each of them experiences it in very different ways. So it is important for a line manager when presented with that first piece of knowledge to not just go, I know all about this because I once read about it or my gran had it or whatever. It is to go, tell me what it means for you, mm. understand it, and then find a nice way in which you can introduce that to one or two other colleagues and make it a, and help it become a more open thing so that everyone can suddenly turn from being critical to being supportive that that's the key i don't think you can easily ever do that in the tesco car park because it's an ever-changing set of people that are coming and going the only way you can af affect that is by um uh, potentially using the lanyard system this has been developed by a number of shops airports um, and transport operators where, where they um, hand out a, a lanyard uh, which has a sunflower on it and that essentially says to their staff um, this person has got a hidden disability and might need additional help so if you see somebody with the lanyard with the um, sunflower walking down the aisle of tesco just ask them if they need any support anything reaching for them um, yeah, they, they would just say to you, no, if it's not the case, but they might be really thrilled and delighted that you're offering to help them. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It's, I'm sort of listening to you there thinking about how my partner's had that with with her work. And um, I won't say the company because it's not fair. And in the end, they did get to a point where they did understand it a bit better. But when we were first, when she first got the role, it was in the city centre um, of, of, of Brighton and there was limited car parking spaces um, and she would have had to have walked circa half an hour up hills, down hills, and she couldn't do that. She, could, she couldn't do that. At the time, she was relying on crutches and she was trying to sort out her medication, etc. So, you know, having to try and evidence and, and fight for that because you're not in a, in a in a wheelchair or whatever it may be and I'm not trying to pick that out as being being something but effectively yeah businesses don't realize that I think all the time how personal illness is it's one thing going to the GP isn't it and getting told this is what you've got or this is what we think you've got and here's the medication it's very easy to prescribe that and there you go um, but it is such an illness and disability is such a personal thing. And it's interesting how you talk about fibro there and how it impacts everyone differently yeah. um, because it is that personal care that's really important in business. Yeah. Um, and I, I want to bring in another one. We're, the, the three of us are all working in the science world. Yes. Um, and one of the things that I've um, learned an awful lot about is autism. Um, and in, when you, start to understand and read up about it and then in my case talk to people with different uh, degrees of autism you realize that actually the science field is full of people who are somewhere on the spectrum that is autism um, there's no easy way to define it but basically 
a lot of people have some very high skill sets in science and understanding science, but they sometimes therefore uh, don't always have uh, the easiest social manner or um, opportunity to line manage and work and help other people. So one of the things we need to be very conscious of in the science um, community is how do we support those people? Often they're promoted into roles that they really struggle with because it's not one of their skill sets uh, looking after people line managing leading people their skill set is understanding the science and being amazing and brilliant at it so there are there are lots of things where we need to just think what is the most appropriate way of working with somebody whether it's a condition that affects them um, causes them pain or whether it's something that they're living with forever which is to do with their their brain or their mind for example yeah absolutely absolutely I, I agree there's the physical side there's the mental side as well i know we'll, we'll come on to that i'm sure philip have you ever had a candidate go through an interview process or where they themselves have had a hidden disability and made you aware of it or have you ever had a client that have said to you we have to take these I don't know measures in place when interviewing due to the fact that X employee has whatever it may be have you ever had that um yeah we've had um I mean I think before I answer that question I think what we try to do is it, it's about creating a really open inclusive environment for candidates to speak openly with us and then I think it's about working with clients you know that we can be really open and transparent with so certainly we've definitely had situations where candidates have been open with us um probably um an example um i had not too recently was um a candidate i was working with that talked to me about um, their dyslexia and how as part of that recruitment process they just needed certain adjustments to be made and um, just a slightly different format and platform to share information with because they had to do a presentation as part of that um, process so there was just some adjustments that they needed we communicated that to the client which were very happy to accommodate and what that really enabled that individual to do is be you know to showcase themselves in the best light but but give them that confidence and that support and a few re re reasonable adjustments that really allow them to shine during that recruitment process so we've definitely had examples but that's probably one of the most recent ones that i can recall yeah see that's interesting because i'm looking at the years that we've combined have worked in resourcing and i think it's really disproportionate as to how many people would have been suffering with a hidden disability. Um, I'm thinking out loud here a little bit, but really how they would have been suffering potentially with something and didn't feel as though they could make us aware or couldn't make the client aware throughout an interview process, an onboarding process. And they've probably then gone on to make their clients aware when they joined or months after they joined. And I think that's really bad. <laughs> you know, I think that's really bad. And why are we in a society where, because it has to be disproportionate, right? There's no way I could have worked in recruitment for as long as I have and can probably count on the palm, on one hand how many times I've been made aware of um, hidden disabilities. So there's got to be more conversation around it and there's got to be a shift in culture for businesses, recruitment businesses, for the end user, for, for clients, for employers to actually create a sense of it's okay to tell us this up front you know 
I'll, I mean, give, you a, I'll give you a horrible statistic, Jacob. Um, yeah. Out of the 60 people, uh, two have said that they felt confident enough to tell somebody going into an interview that they had a hidden disability. 58 said no uh, for various reasons, but the most outstanding reason was they didn't want it to get in the way of them getting the job. So they would, those in pain, for example, um, explained that they sometimes weren't the best at interview because by the time they dosed themselves up with painkillers to get there mm. and to make themselves look as normal as possible, their brains weren't functioning as, as well as they might do. Um, one of the upsides of the pandemic is that lots of those people have been able to say, the brilliant thing is with all these Zoom interviews, I'm actually in a much better place. I can put myself across better. Yeah. I don't have to get myself all zipped up to make the long journey, to go up the steps, to do whatever it is uh, that's required. Um, and so it, it's been a bit of a lifesaver, um, Zoom interviewing for them. And, and remote working, right, as well. Like, you know, a lot of us probably who are fully abled and, you know, I think there's you no... Know, that or, or don't I think probably the wrong word to use but don't have a hidden disability as such you know and don't have to struggle with this every day this this weight that you have to carry with you or yeah. certainly how that's described to me I think we're, we're like oh gosh we can't get to the office we can't go and grab our lunch but I'm sure there are people there who have a hidden disability who think what a relief yeah that they don't have to go through that every day and you gave an example when we last spoke, Ted, which I thought was a fantastic example about a woman on her period and not, you know, being able to just jump. It's easy for us or easy for me to jump in the car um, and just drive to an office every day. I don't have to think about, OK, is there going to be um, a bathroom on the way that I can change or whatever it may be? And I think you gave an amazing example or, or certainly that kind of a that thought process Ted can you, can you share that again because it was really yeah. enlightening for me yeah there's a couple of a couple of things that come up uh, to mind um, the, the first is to say um, something uh, which affects uh, all women at some point is the menopause uh, some mm. people get it as an early thing some people get it as a much later thing but for all of those people who are going through the menopause I used to think it was just a matter of saying to them for heaven's sake bring a cardigan take it off put it back on as and when you get hot and cold Having talked to people who've gone through this, I, I now understand, you know, what a huge impact um, the menopause, all that hormonal change has, how it can lead to things like brain fog, just feeling lousy some days and needing to give people flexibility. And the beauty of being able to work from home is that uh, if they're having a particularly heavy period, for example, they don't have to keep thinking about getting to the toilets to be able to stand in a queue um, soon enough because they've got their own loo at home and their own arrangements at home. And I think the one we were talking about was somebody with endometriosis who was saying mm. you know, it is exceptionally difficult if you're having very heavy, um, but you never know when those periods are going to occur. Um, and you can get to an embarrassing situation where if you're not careful, if you don't get to the loo regularly on time because somebody's insisting that you stay in their meeting or whatever, uh, you know, you can end up with um, uh, blood coming through and staining your clothes, which must be a horrible uh, thing for somebody to, to have to suffer and very embarrassing. Um, so there are, there are those things. And uh, one of the things I keep using, by the way, is I talk about hidden conditions. It's not always a disability, um, but yeah. even when it's a hidden condition, it can still be uh, hugely impactful. Uh, so we tend to think more of uh, disability as something that person would is likely to carry with them throughout their life, but a condition can be something like menopause where it's usually over a defined period of time that it occurs. 
Yes, absolutely. I really like that. I really like that a lot because I think that then ties into maybe mental health mm-hmm. as well, because mental health and there are aspects of it that could be a disability, but also conditions that that don't last with you forever um, or may come and go. Right. And 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 I think that's that's really powerful as well. Um, I mean, if I think about myself and me and again look at this I mean I told you this was going to be personal to me this subject um I've already talked about my partner um with hers but for me mine was mine's more mine's more mental and um due to life events and and things with my children I was diagnosed with PTSD and I'm pleased to say that I've worked through that now and I think it will be with me for forever in some respects but I can deal with it much better and real world example here um and it's all right to talk about because kelly my boss knows and that's a great thing right is that effectively when i joined uh, srg one of the biggest things for me when i spoke to my partner was i was really anxious about going up to london and traveling around the country to all the different offices and clients because it's a field-based role and i was really anxious about leaving my children and the impact that my ptsd was having on my life and i was always told to just kind of feel the fear do it anyway and just go for it so i did and after consideration i joined srg um but very quickly i realized that jumping on a train or being in the car and whatever it was away from my my children was really detrimental to my health and it was impacting on on me and i took the decision eventually to talk to two people in the business um so Emma Brown, who's our accounts, one of our sort of senior directors here, heads up our accounts and, and Kelly, um, our CEO, and told them that, you know, this is what I was going through. Yeah. And it was like the weight was lifted off my shoulder. Yeah. But they made me feel able to talk about that. And I'm sure there are people that feel they couldn't talk about it to their boss like that. So I'd be really interested, um, Ted, in how businesses can kind of in your view create a more open environment but for me the moment I did that and the pressure was off it was like well why don't we do this and don't think about it right now and you know what are you doing what can we do to support you and if you do feel like you wake up and you don't want to jump in the car and go out to a London office on that day that's absolutely fine you know we'll just rearrange it but because I made them aware it enabled me and it is very personal right it won't work for everyone um, to deal with my PTSD better. And I was able to go on to my CBT therapy um, and not have to let them know that I was gonna have half an hour out the week when I was having my CBT, et cetera. Um, I could just do it. And um, I know that there are businesses that wouldn't have enabled that. And um, because of that, I'm healthy and better and can contribute more to the business as well. Yeah, I think that the toughest bit is creating the environment in which people feel that they can come forward and talk about something like this. Um, and the, the best example I can bring is at Welcome Trust, where I worked as the people director. And we brought in for the first time med, uh, mental health first aiders. This is about 10 years ago. And introduced them, started to build up that network of people. But it didn't really take off. And I think people were wary of even talking to somebody as a mental health first aider being told that it was confidential. Up until the point when we had one of our most senior members of the uh, team talk at a town hall meeting and say, uh, I just want you to know that I've been going through a very difficult situation uh, with my own mental health. 
Um, this is how it's affected me. These are the issues that I've been facing up to. And this is the counselling support that I've been getting. And it was phenomenal. I mean, literally everybody for the next three or four days was just talking about mental health and the fact that um, someone had been brave and courageous at the top of the organisation talking about their own circumstances. Um, and then further people started to come forward and we had people putting up their own cases and how they dealt with it and giving some practical advice about their own circumstances and the way that um, it had worked out. And in fact, you've talked about CBT. It, it is one of the, um, the, the methodologies that's available and out there. And it's why in some cases we can talk about people who have had a hidden condition related to their mental health and then have found a way through things like proper counselling and support and CBT to, to, um, to move away from it and to be able to put it behind them um, and live a much happier, more open life. But creating that environment, very difficult, does need people of courage to step out and talk about it and make it acceptable and not do things like going, oh, this person's got PTSD, I must immediately send them to occupational health or put them on sick <laughs> leave, which is unfortunately the reaction still of some people. Um, I think the other thing is that I've learned from talking to uh, one person with PTSD is the other thing is when you say that people automatically think, oh, you've been in a war zone. Um, yeah. You know, who are you fighting for? Uh, <laughs> whereas if you, if you split it out, it's post-traumatic stress disorder. And the trauma can be any number of different things. For someone, it can be a really traumatic and upsetting breakup of their marriage or partnership. Uh, for another, it can be the loss of a child. For another, um, it can be um, an, an, a, a car crash. Um, for another, it can be um, the first on the scene at a suicide. There are so many different things that can cause trauma and therefore leave somebody with PTSD which needs its own specialist support and help. Uh, and um, those people who are able to talk about it then get the support they need and the understanding. And for example, one of the people who um, you know, was the first responder to a suicide, uh, his company are very understanding that on the anniversary of that date every year, he won't be in the office and it's an extra mm -hmm. day that they give without even thinking. Amazing. Amazing. That 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 mental health piece is so. Uh, what I really have enjoyed about the year that we've all gone through is how I really feel mental health has been brought to the forefront of of business conversation, and it, a real spotlight's been shone on it. And Philip, I think it'd be really good. And one of the questions that Ted asked us when we caught up prior to this was, "What have we done at SRG to try and?" support our staff with regards to mental health as a hidden condition let's talk about it like that maybe we'll not even give it a label right just mental health so i think we i think we're quite good right philippa i think there's quite a few things that we've done um, um i mean we as you say i think the pandemic has definitely brought it to the forefront and um i feel like we're definitely talking more openly as a as a business i mean in terms of practical steps i know we've got the mental health um, first aiders um, and I think we've particularly chosen some really good individuals within the business that I think have a good set of skills to sort of support but most importantly listen to people I think that's really key to get the right people in the business to do that um, I know we've had a lot of the sort of uh, the buddy ups and the sort of um, sort of coffee catch-ups if you will where it's a chance to step away from your desk and just talk about 
what you want to talk about in that moment in time, whether it may be mental health, it may just be, you know, outside um, life. You may even want to talk about work. I think whatever sort of comes natural, but feel that you've got those sort of that buddying system, I think has been has been fantastic. Um, I mean, we do the practical things like access to advice and professional support, you know, and we obviously have um, some of the um, employee numbers that people can reach out to. But I think what has been good is I think as a business, we've all grown quite close over the pandemic and we probably see each other more because we're often on video with each other and I think we've created quite an open culture I mean even myself um, as recent as last week I'm um, sort of shared something quite personal with one of the directors that I felt was really important to, to put out there um, to make them aware of that and I don't know if I would have felt that comfortable this time last year to have had that conversation so I think we've definitely made some good steps forward but I think as like many companies out there there's still a lot more that can be done um, to make sure that we we keep on this sort of uh, positive pathway. Yeah and I think if I reflect on our own business right and um, I think we do a lot great I think just talking about it and, and you said that a moment ago Ted you know having a having because often it is senior leaders but you can also have illegitimate leadership and what i mean by that for those that aren't afraid with that phrase is people who hold leadership um within a business who aren't necessarily given the job title so there can be people in the business that are respected leaders but they don't have a director job title let's say and i think it's those individuals and i think it's also those that are in positions of power that are respected in that i hate the word power but you know what I mean? And I think those people talking about their own experiences, and maybe I don't do it enough, right? Or maybe I'm now at a point where I feel I can do it without breaking down and crying. Um, <laughs> so, you know, maybe I need to do it more. And I know there are other people across the business that you would probably think on the outside of it, no one knows what you go through and suffer. But actually, if they felt confident and i'm not just talking about srg i'm talking about business in general to be able to share their stories and talk more about it from what i think you're saying ted is just that alone is so powerful and hope and will help to create a culture where people do feel more open to coming forward and talking about their own experience yeah and, and i have been concerned about this period we've been in lockdown because um up till then you always had the the opportunity of the coffee machine to have a chat with somebody and to say to them how are you doing and i know that always sounds a bit glib but the people who are good at it follow up with and actually how are you doing you know uh, and and keep going mm -hmm. and keep talking um the coffee machine isn't available anymore for a lot of people who are furloughed or are at home one of the things i've done with several of the groups is to set up um you called it buddying, Philippa. Um, I, we've called it pods, which is three people who just contract with each other to um, set up a little chat like this uh, at least once every week. And they talk about stuff like the weather, um, the children um, going to school or not going to school and how they're going to get around that problem because it's the kind of thing that people need to talk about just to normalise the changes that are going on all the time, whether or not they're having the vaccine, um, but also about any aspects related to their health or their mental health. And it, it's worked extremely well because it doesn't always get picked up in, for example, a one-to-one -one between a manager and a member of the team. Uh, sometimes it does that you get some great relationships, but not always. So just keeping finding little mechanisms. And I think the other thing, Philippa, you mentioned to me when we were last talking is 
you've been using the opportunity to have walking meetings in the outside you know so you, you just say let's go for a, a walk around the park and it's it's fascinating but when you do that and, and I learned this from um, teenage boys just taking them for a, a walk with the dog after a bit they forget that they're uh, with you and they start talking mm. quite openly and normally um, whereas mm. if you try and do it in the house they've always got a distraction because there's something on television there's something about to happen on their phone um, but you get them out walking there's no distractions and you start to get to a deeper level of conversation and maybe that's something that people uh, can do more of again um, particularly yeah, yeah. now we're allowed to meet each other outside under the new rules yeah I think I think that change of um, sort of scenery being outside, I absolutely agree. I think it just provokes a completely different type of conversation. Um, and I've definitely found that people have opened up more. Um, and it's also always nice well, to sort of step away from your desk so you haven't got those distractions. And I think, um, yeah, ho hopefully that sort of forges sort of closer and better relationships, whether that be at work um, or, or, or sort of in home life as well. Yeah. Yeah, because there's lots of people who are struggling with their home life, as we know. Um, mm. We've seen, sadly, quite a few breakups um, because people have been forced to live together for just a bit too longer than they would have used to being. So there's all sorts of things happening. And I think having that opportunity to talk about it um, relieves some of the mental stress. And, and it is important to do that. Some people and some companies have uh, EAP or EAR schemes where uh, you can phone uh, a hotline and get some advice. I would recommend that anybody listening to this thinks about uh, where they have it in their company, and, and many do, um, re-advertising it, reminding people of the value of that, uh, that they can talk about you know, the dispute you're having with a neighbour and how to deal with it in the same way that they can also give you some advice about how to deal with a particularly difficult teenager or toddler or uh, partner. Um, all of these things are just important to access and use. They're being paid for. Uh, they are sensible alternatives, but the best is always developing those relationships, the buddy systems, the pods uh, within the teams. Wow, okay, I think we've covered an absolute load there. And whilst I was sort of listening to you speak, Ted, my own comments and, and yours, Philippa, I'm thinking about what takeaways there are. So for me, the, the biggest one really is around how I think the onus is on is on the company. So I don't think it should be down to an individual to feel, oh, you should have told us, for example. I think the onus is on the company to think about, right, not just hidden disabilities, but that, that phrase you used, Ted, around hidden conditions is equally important. And about not just thinking about how how they can do that for their current workforce, but really about how they can ensure that right at the early stage, even getting an advert out there, whatever it is, talking about hidden disabilities, hidden conditions, but ingraining that into their culture so that those that are going through that onboarding process feel confident enough to, to talk about it, to, uh, I guess, to, to offer it up and, and not feel that it's going to be at the detriment to them or, or being able to get their opportunity. So, yeah, the onus for me is on companies to not just consider those that are working for them, but also those that could be working for them as well. So for me, that was my biggest kind of takeaway in listening to us all chat about it. What, what about yourself, Ted? 
I, I agree with you completely. And I think if you get that right, then you actually have the opportunity to hire some of the very best people out there. Because if they can see that you're open and welcoming right from the beginning by asking about the interview process and how they can, how can be helped, they'll be thinking, this is going to be a great place to work. I want to work there. Uh, in the same way that organisations that have put time and effort into uh, gender equality are finding that some of the very best female scientists are now wanting to work for them because that they, they recognize that. For me though the next phase is once you've onboarded is and, and you're thinking about the company is how do you create that environment in which people feel comfortable about talking about their own hidden condition. If you think that more than half the population of that, that's the adult, not the child population, the adult population has something that they're hiding in terms of a condition, either mental or physical. Um, it's a huge portion of people that we're thinking about. So how do you create that environment? And we talked and touched on it. One of the best things that I've seen is when senior leaders have been open about their own um, issues, frailties um, and things. and it has led to everybody else feeling much more comfortable about talking about it and thinking, I still might get that promotion. I still might get that opportunity. I still might get that bonus, even though I've talked about the fact that I have this condition um, that I have to live with. Brilliant, thank you. I could not agree more. And I'm thinking about how that's impacted on, on my own career, absolutely. And Philippa, what about yourself? Um, yeah, I think um agree definitely with both of your points. Um, another thing that really stood out for me is the fact that, you know, what when you're thinking about making reasonable adjustments to support people with a hidden disability or a hidden condition, it's really remembering that one size doesn't fit all. And I think employers really have to be creative and really tailor those reasonable adjustments to suit each employee because every you know you could have two people with the same condition or same hidden disability but it impacts them in completely different ways so it's about really tailing those reasonable adjustments and working with that individual to make sure it it, it suits them and it's fit for purpose for them brilliant well thank you philippa and ted it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for talking about that with us um I really hope that those listening have have taken something from it. And I'm sure, you know, well, I hope um, that we now within our own business here at SRG can can take some of those learns forward and, and start talking about it a bit more. Perfect. Good stuff. Thanks, Jacob. Thanks, Philippa. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Cheers. Bye.